Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung, and I'm so grateful to you for joining us as we take a look at the book. If you have your Bible handy, let's go to the book of Genesis. It's the book of beginnings, but it is the foundation for all of biblical prophecy. Today, we're going to be talking about the properties of Bible prophecy. There are some properties that have been promised to the Jewish people. Real estate, that is 10 times what they have today. We want you to study this with us. It's very important so that you can understand what is happening in the Middle East and why it is happening. So get your Bibles handy. We'll go to the book of Genesis. We'll have our study, and when we come back, I will tell you how you can get your own copy of this five-hour audio series on CD entitled Genesis, The Foundations of Biblical Prophecy. Right now, though, let's study about the properties of Bible prophecy. Genesis, the foundation of Bible prophecy. And for those that have not been able to join us, let me just catch you up very quickly. Our first study, we looked at the precursors to Bible prophecy, which uh, would talk about creation, the flood, the division of humankind into nations of the world. Uh, those were precursors. Uh, creation sets the foundation. We'll look in just a moment at the book of Zechariah, where when he begins to deal with prophecy pertaining to Jerusalem, he starts it off by reminding every one of us who brought all things into existence. And so uh, creation is a precursor, the flood, a precursor to judgment that's going to come. And in eschatology, in time events, indeed, judgment is ahead. One of the reasons uh, that people do not want to recognize the truth of a flood is they don't want to face judgment. Uh, there's a phrase in the book of Second Peter chapter 3 where it says, those people in the last days will deny the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they will be willfully ignorant of the fact that the flood was coming. A buddy of mine in Pensacola has retranslated that. Instead of saying willfully ignorant, he has translated it, they will be dumb on purpose. And indeed, I think that appropriately uh, defines those who want to deny the reality and the truth of the flood. And in fact, uh, if you've ever considered not believing totally in a worldwide flood that covered everything, at least by 15 feet, and then you'd better have a conversation with Jesus because he's the one that said it did happen. Matthew chapter 24, verses 37 and following. And we talked about how the nations were divided, and that a precursor to what's going to happen as it relates to Bible prophecy. Nations are going to play a key role, and we'll look at that again in just a moment as well. Then we talked about the personalities of Bible prophecy that are found. We started with Adam. We carried on through Cain with Seth. We looked at him. We looked at Noah. Uh, we looked at uh, then the Nimrod, who established Babel on the shores of the Euphrates River in Asia Minor, excuse me, in, uh, in um, Mesopotamia, uh, the two rivers. And then from there, we talked about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarchs of the Jewish faith, and their promises that they received from God about what was going to happen in the end times. We talked about the 
uh, principalities of Bible prophecy found in the book of Genesis, talking about angels when they were brought into existence. Uh, They were brought into existence, they were created in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, between 1a and 1b, after God created the heavens, he created angels, and then he created the earth because the book of Job says, the angels sang and praised God for the beautiful act that he had done when he brought the earth into existence. We talked about other principalities, Melchizedek, we talked about Jesus Christ and his theophanies, which means his pre-incarnate appearances in the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis is full of Jesus Christ. I mean, almost every place you look with every personality that is dealt with in Genesis, you see them having a conversation with Jesus. Hagar, the mother of Ishmael, met with Jesus. The Bible says in chapter 16 of the book of Revelation, excuse me, of Genesis, that indeed uh, the angel of the Lord, and every time you see that passage or that little phrase in scripture, it's referring to El Shaddai, which is the son of God in a pre-incarnate appearance if it is in the Old Testament. So we see these principalities, good angels, bad angels, Noah's wicked angels that had a relationship with women here on the earth, the reason, the cause that God had to destroy humankind. Today we come to as we look at Genesis in light of prophecy as the foundation for biblical prophecy, we look at the properties of prophecy that are contained within the book of Genesis. If you have your Bibles, take them and let's go together to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, and we'll look together at the properties that are involved in the prophetic events that are going to happen in the future, but their origins take place here in the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. You know, the most asked question in Bible prophecy is, where is the United States in Bible prophecy? I was having a prophecy Q&A the other day. A man jumped up and said, I know. I said, okay, sir, where is the United States in Bible prophecy? He said, Jerusalem. So Jerusalem, how do you get that? It's very simple. J-E-R-U-S-A-L-E-M. <laughs> and everybody responded just exactly like you are right now. But you know, he was right. The only place that the United States can even be referred to would be at Jerusalem, Zechariah chapter 14, verse 2. And all the nations of the world will gather at Jerusalem. All the nations of the world will be there. Should the United States sustain existence through the seven-year tribulation period, by the way, I don't believe they're going to do that. When the body of Christ, the backbone of this nation, leaves at the rapture of the church, I believe this superpower of the world is going to become a nebulous entity. Anybody who kills babies and lets sodomites play in the street, God is going to have to judge them. There's only two reasons that God has even protected them in the first place. The United States of America at at least at this time in history, it may not be so in the very near future, but at this time in history has become the launch pad for world evangelization. All the monies, all the manpower, all the materials for evangelizing the world come from the United States of America. The second reason that God has protected America is because we have protected Israel. 
There's an alignment of nations that are going to come against Israel in the last days. The only reason they haven't started the move towards Jerusalem today is because the United States would stop them dead in their tracks. When we're gone, the backbone of this nation, our president will be gone, secretary of state will be gone, many of the cabinet members, many of the administration, many of the Congress. This is going to be a, a shell. And I believe if they're around at the end of seven years, if they are, the United States will be. That's the only reference to it at all at the city of Jerusalem as the nations of the world gathered there. One of the things, I take two years, uh, two tours a year over to Israel. Uh, we go in the spring and in the fall, the two best times of the year to go. I'd love to have you come go with us sometime and let me walk with you through the land of the Bible. What a joy that would be for me. But anyway, if, uh, when you go, you'll hear sometimes uh, the guides make a statement that just has irritated me to death. And I've told the guides that I use, don't use this statement. You know what they say? Here's what they say. When they are talking about a location, they don't want to guarantee the authenticity of that location. So what they conclude by saying is this, the place doesn't matter. It's the person that counts. And of course, they were referring to Jesus Christ. Maybe he was in this place, or maybe it was over there. X marks the spot. I can't tell you if that's a spot. Do you know how you determine the authenticity of an X marks the spot in Israel? You do it by three criteria. Number one, what does the Word of God say about that spot? Number two, what does tradition say about that spot? And number three, and finally, and I'm giving you in the prioritized order, what does archaeology say about that spot? Don't you dare let an archaeologist, by the way, archaeology is not an absolute science. It's an evolving science. They are continually, I can take you to Jericho, and I can give you 25 archaeologists that tell me different locations at Jericho. Archaeology is not an absolute science. So don't be blown away or intimidated by some archaeologist saying, well, this is the spot. No, what the Word of God says is the first criteria. What tradition says is number two, and what archaeology says is number three. That's how you determine X marks the spot. And let me say this, it does matter about the place and the person. I want to tell you this, when I go to Bethlehem, I don't take you to the church of nativity, which was built in 423 AD by Helena, Constantine's mother. I don't go to that, what I consider to be a hellish demonic place. I go to the spot and I can prove it in the scripture where Jesus Christ was born. And it tells you right there in Micah, chapter 4, verse 8. I did not misquote Micah. Chapter 5, verse 2 says, Bethlehem Yephrata. Chapter 4, verse 8 says, Migdal Adar, the tower of the flock. And when you come go to Israel with me, I'll take you to the spot and teach you why I say that is the location where Jesus Christ was born. I can prove it from the text. Remember, the criteria for determining X marks the spot, what does the Word of God say? What does tradition say? And archaeology doesn't fit into the birth of Jesus Christ. They were not able to find any fossilized diapers, so we don't have to worry about that. 
as far as archaeology is concerned. Uh, but he had to be born in Bethlehem, Euphrata. You see, you can go to Bethlehem Zebulun, which is in the center part of the state, at the birth of Jesus Christ. There were two Bethlehems in Israel. You have to go to Bethlehem Euphrata. And so it does, the place does matter with the person. Jesus Christ is coming back, Ze- uh, Zechariah chapter 14, verse 4, to the Mount of Olives. He's not coming back to Mount Moriah. He's not coming back to Mount Hermon. He's not coming back to Mount Moray. He's not coming back to Mount Tabor. These are all mountains in Israel. He's coming back to the Mount of Olives. So the place does matter. Thank you so very much for joining us as we've taken a look at the book. We want you to have your own copy of this five-hour audio series on CD entitled Genesis, The Foundations of Biblical Prophecy. You see, prophecy does not start in the book of Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Daniel, Malachi, or Revelation. It starts in the book of Genesis. That's thus then the title of our series, Genesis, The Foundations of Bible Prophecy. You can get your own copy of this five-hour audio series on CD by calling our toll-free number. It's 877-674-3298. Now, that's toll-free from across America. Let me give it again, 877-674-3298. Or you can go to our website and make your order of this series, Genesis, the Foundations of Bible Prophecy. Go to the website address, prophecytoday.com. By the way... You know what the Bible teaches? The Bible teaches that as we look at the current events unfolding in our world today, it seems like the rapture could happen today. And you know, that is absolutely the truth. And having said that, there's nothing left for me to say, except let's keep looking up until.